Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. I'm very glad to be able to share with you today as we continue this series on Why God. And if you were with us last week, you know we talked about uh, where is God uh, when bad things happen? Why does God allow bad things to happen to innocent people? And if you weren't able to be here for that, we encourage you to go on our YouTube channel. You can check out that message. Next week, we're going to be talking about something a little bit different, is that what happens when it's not just like, I don't know where God is. It's like God intentionally feels absent. Like, I, I can't find, find God at all. Today, we're talking about where, where is God? And, and these are difficult questions, and they're important questions for our faith. They're questions that sometimes make us a little uncomfortable asking, and sometimes because we're uncomfortable asking, uh, we shy away from them, and, and then uh, they're not there when we encounter that situation, and, and we need faith that has wrestled with that because we're right in the middle of it. So I'm very thankful to be a part of this church, to be a part of this community where we wrestle with these questions together uh, to, so we can grow in our faith because we know life presents challenges. We know there are difficult times and we know God is with us in those times and sees us through. So thank you for, for being that type of community. I do want to share with you as we journey through these questions, a lot of times what really makes a difference is when we talk with one another. We encourage you to be in a small group, be in a community, talk with your friends afterwards about how you deal with these. Also, uh, be talking to God by reading scripture and praying every day. Uh, we have scriptures that are picked out that go right along with these themes. You can find them at concordunited.org Bible. You can also get a printed out copy of the reading plan at the information desk in the lobby. So uh, go ahead and do that. And you'll notice if you go on that website, concordunited.org slash Bible, not only will you get scriptures for each day, but you also have a spot. If you're not getting the daily devotions, we write devotions that go with the scriptures every day. They're emailed out, or you can sign up for a podcast if you'd prefer to consume them uh, that way. And it's just a way we can be talking with God uh, and, and continue to talk to, to one another through these things. So the question, where, where is God? And often we wonder where is God when life doesn't go according to plan. And particularly we wonder where is God when life is harder for longer than we anticipated. We all know life's going to have, you know, difficult moments. But often when we get in those difficult moments, we're like, okay, this won't last forever. But what happens when life is harder for longer than, than you anticipated? What happens uh, when the hurt doesn't stop, right? When you're hurt and the hurt doesn't stop, what happens when you go to the doctor and the doctor says, we can't cure this, we're going to manage it? What, what, what do you do in, in that moment? I recently read uh, the obituary for uh, a man who was a national hero in England. His name was Douglas Newham. He was born almost 100 years ago, and he served in the Bomber Command of the Royal Air Force in World War II. He was famous for flying over 60 missions, over two, two tours of duty, flying over fl France, flying over Germany in extremely dangerous conditions. His squadron, or his, his group, the Bomber Command, uh, they lost 
44% of all their soldiers were killed in action. 55,000 men that he flew with lost their lives. And he was esteemed because he survived and he became a leader in English society. And they interviewed him and he talked about what it was like. And he said, you know, we'd go and you'd be exhausted. You'd been in the air for 10 hours. Your life had been in danger. You land, you're safe. You're proud of what you've done, that you've executed your mission. You're thankful to be safe. And then you watch the other planes come in and you count them. And he said, and inevitably at the end of the day, one or two planes that went out wouldn't come in. And we'd hope and we'd wait and we'd pray and then we'd finally realize they're, they're not coming in. He said, for every one of those planes, there were seven men that I knew. Seven men whose families probably weren't ever going to see them again. Seven men I was never going to talk to again. And even though he lived a great life and be, became a, a well-known and important person who had many blessings, he said, I never got over that. He said, it never quit hurting said, I was haunted by those guys for, for the rest of my life. It, it, it just never stopped. And so what do we do in those moments when, when it doesn't stop, when we think it should stop? And where is God when it doesn't stop, when, when we think it should stop? Well, thankfully, we're not the only people who are ever going to be in that situation. King David was in that situation, and he wrote about it in Psalm 13. Now, we don't quite know when David wrote this psalm what situation he was referring to. He went through this a number of times in his, in his life. If you know the story of King David, uh, King, King David, we, we, we sang today about the God who, who made this shepherd boy courageous and, and defeated Goliath. But life didn't necessarily get easier for David after that moment. In many ways, it got harder. He, they took, he came to the palace. King Saul became jealous of him, eventually tried to kill David because he, he felt David was a threat to his own power. David had to flee, went into exile, uh, was basically followed around uh, by a ragtag rough group of mercenaries who... He became their commander. They lived in, ca in caves as King Saul's army tried, pursued them and tried to kill them. And this was for years. Th this wasn't like for two or three weeks. This was for years David lived in this condition. Maybe he wrote out of that being in caves with a bunch of fugitives, with a whole professional army pursuing you, knowing that this probably isn't going to end well and not knowing when it will end. La later in life, he had a significant personal moral failures that had terrible consequences for his family and his kingdom. Maybe that was the situation he was dealing with. He, he also had internal division within his administration and his government. One time so bad that his son Absalom tried to overthrow his father, King David, raised up an army to fight against David's army. And David had ordered his generals. And it wasn't clear, at, like we, we see this in hindsight. We think, well, of course, David's army is going to win. He's King David. Well, it wasn't like that back then. And the David didn't have an overwhelming military uh, uh, advantage. So they didn't know who was going to win. But David had instructed his generals. He said, whatever you do, take Absalom alive. Do not kill my son Absalom. Well, th David's army won. But the generals said, we're not going to leave this kid alive. 
this kid tried to overthrow our king. And so they slaughtered him. And David, his kingdom divided, his son dead. He cried out to God. He'd lost his son and he had a significant amount of his kingdom revolt against him. And he didn't know how long that hurt would last or when it, when it would ever stop, if, if ever. But somewhere along the way in one of these situations, David, a man after God's own heart, wrote this psalm so that people like us would know how to pursue God's heart when we're in situations like that. And it's Psalm 13. I want to read it to you. He says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart rejoiced in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now, that last verse almost sounds like it doesn't go with the others. David saying, where are you, God? All this is happening. This is tough. This is painful. All this is happening. Where are you, God? And then he says, I, I will sing to the Lord for he's dealt bountifully with me. David has this faith where he looks at his life and he can't figure out how it's all going to work out. And he can't figure out when, when the hurt's ever going to start, start. But he also has this faith that he knows the character of God. And he knows God's going to write the last chapter. He doesn't know what the other chapters are going to hold. He doesn't know how many other chapters there's going to be. He knows God's going to write that last chapter. And he, do, he doesn't mistake difficulty for God's absence. Now, so one of the problems we get into when life gets hard is how we define God's presence, how we think of God's presence, right? And sometimes we think if we're happy that God's near us and if we're sad, God is not near us. Sometimes we think if things are going well, God is with us. If things are going difficult uh, or bad, God, God is not with us. And in fact, there are many religions in the world that believe exactly that. Christianity just isn't one of them. In fact, we're about the only one that isn't one of them. Because we remember when Jesus said, God sends rain on the evil and the good. And when Jesus said, God, when the scriptures tell us that God is near to the brokenhearted, uh, and Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. No, we're, we, we believe something very different. Uh, but I want you to know, if you mistake a happy mood for God's presence, you'll mistake bad feelings for God's absence, right? If you mistake a happy mood for God's presence, you'll mistake bad feelings for, I mean, I mean think about how easy we, we think life's better and God's closer just because things make us happy, right? For instance, for some of you, if the stock market went up 3,000 points on Monday, you'd feel like God was closer, right? You'd be like, this is great. For some of you, if your team wins the football game, man, you feel like God's closer, right? For, for some of you, if, you know, relationships are going well, you feel, like, you feel like God's closer. For some of us, you know, if our bodies feel good and we don't have that pain that we often walk around with, we, we feel like God's closer. Now, God sends us every good gift and, and every blessing, but don't mistake a happy mood for God's presence. Some of us can look back and we can look at times in life when we were happy and when we should have been sad, 
We're like, that wasn't a good, well, I, I got that wrong. I don't know how many times I've had people come to me and they've been like, you know, I was going through a really hard time, so I needed to feel better, so I started using chemical substances. And they tell, they're like, you know what happened the first time I used it? It felt great. That's why I used it again. But the next time it didn't feel so good. And the next time it took a lot more of that chemical to make me feel just a little bit more. And then eventually I didn't feel anything. Uh, and I was broken and bankrupt. But, but we begin because, hey, it makes me feel. Don't mistake a happy mood for God's presence. Give God thanks for all God's gifts. But don't mistake a happy mood for God's presence. Or you'll mistake bad feelings for God's absence. God's with us in our times of suffering. And, and m many people, you know, struggle with that. Uh, struggle with, with, with understanding that, that God's still with us even in our times of suffering. Uh, we, we had an amazing week this week at the church. Uh, as you've heard, we had over 200 church leaders from throughout the region gather here for a time of refreshment, rejuvenation, a time to, to build their skills and, and take back ideas to, to their churches. And thank you for being a church that blesses other church leaders. We also had three funerals here this weekend. And all three funerals were celebrating people who lived great lives. Just saints who'd lived long, good, good lives and, and what, what, they, what they taught us. And as, as I look at this idea that, that we often mistake a, a happy mood uh, for God, God's presence, I, I remember uh, some of the church leaders at that event and some of them needed that refreshment. They, were, they came and they were pretty down. And I heard a number of church leaders say something to the effect of, you know, COVID took half our people and half our money, and we've had to let go half our staff. Or uh, the political divisions in our country and in our church have our people going at each other instead of coming together to, to support each other. And, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to do with, with that. And, and we got to talk to some folks who were just really walking some hard, difficult roads and what we noticed is there were basically two different ultimate attitudes that people had. The, the, there was one attitude of, I don't know what to do and I don't know when this is ever going to get better and I'm about ready to give up. And the other attitude was, this is hard. It's harder than I imagined it would be. But I'm thankful I'm here. Because this is a gift. And I'm thankful that somehow God saw fit to allow me to minister and to share the good news of who God is with God's people right now at this time with the challenges we face. Those are two very different attitudes, right? And if you've been in that attitude one, there is one way to get from there to that second attitude. That attitude of this is awful and I'm about ready to give up to that attitude of this is hard but it is a gift. And that is the presence and the character of God. That's how we get there when we experience the presence and the character of God. But sometimes we get blinded to that. The biggest problem with pain is it blinds us to God's blessings, right? God's blessings are all around us, but pain often blinds us to them. And we, we get in this idea uh, that because this pain's going on, that God, God can't be present. And uh, I, I experienced... Uh, people teaching us that we need to be able to see the blessings 
in the pain through, through the funerals we had this week. One of the ladies, her name was Mary Perez. You probably didn't know Mary. Uh, she didn't attend our church. She didn't even speak English. She grew up in Puerto Rico, but she attended our CADES program, which is a day service program, uh, a, a day program for largely older adults who are dealing with dementia that also ministers to their caregivers. Just incredible program if, if you've never been here during the week and, and seen what goes on. And Mary was a part of it and she loved it. And they said she didn't even realize that they weren't speaking the same language. Because, you know, they got to know her and she loved to salsa dance. And they salsa danced with her. And she loved to have a job. So they told her she was not a participant, she was a supervisor. And she was so thankful to, she was a hard worker her whole life. She was so thankful to, to have a job there as, as part of that. But just before uh, dementia uh, significantly uh, reduced her, her abilities to, to relate to others, uh, her family was, was in a situation where there was a, a tragedy in the world. And this tragedy occurred. And because of the part of the world that it was in, some people that she was around began saying things like, God caused that to happen. God was punishing those people because of how they are and, and what they believe. And Mary, as the matriarch of the family, stood up and she said, no, God is love. God doesn't do that. Stop this foolish talk. And that was that, right? No more conversation. She knew the nature and the character of God. She knew when we're down, when we're in pain, God doesn't desert us. God doesn't take pleasure in our pain. In fact, God moves closer to us and God still blesses. One of our other uh, celebration of life services this week is for a lady named Lois Ivins. Lois was 97 years old. And I got a call a few weeks back saying, uh, Lois is probably in her last days, Pastor. Would, would you please come see her? And then I was warned. We, we know it's, it's been a little while and she's gone downhill. So just prepare yourself. She's not going to look the same as she looked the last time you saw her. And, and I've been around numerous 90-year-olds in, in their last days. And uh, I, I wasn't worried. I, I kind of know how our bodies look when we're going through that, that process. And I know God's present within it. And then I got there and I looked. And, and I kind of did a double take because she was the youngest 97-year-old I'd ever seen. I, I, I really like, at first I was like, is is this a daughter in the family I don't know about? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure this is, this is Lois. And she looked at me and she just, she smiled real big. And she said, Pastor, I've, I've been on dialysis for seven years and I'm tired and I'm ready to go home and be with Jesus. But until Jesus comes, I intend to watch Jeopardy every night. <laughs> Because she loved Jeopardy and, and she kept up with it. In fact, she will tell you very clearly that they should, that Ken Jennings should be the new host. That, that, that's, that's how it should work out in, in her opinion. And I got to talking to her and I said, you've been on dialysis for seven years. You started dialysis three days a week when you were 90. You know, most people, if you tell them that at 90, they're just going to throw in the towel. There, I mean, it, if you've ever had a family member go through dialysis, it is grueling. And to be on that for seven years in your 90s, and she said it's been the biggest blessing. 
She said, the people there at that clinic, they just love me. And they've kept me healthy enough to become, I got to become a great grandmother and I, I get to watch Jeopardy and I, I've gotten to play bridge and, and I see my family and I see my friends and I'm just so happy. I, I'm just tired now and I'm, I'm ready to, to be with Jesus. Throughout those seven years, she never mistook the pain of her physical ailment for God's absence. She never uh, let go of all the blessings that were still hers just because there was some pain as well. She, she never did. She knew the nature and the character of God. Now, how do we get there? How do we get there at those times in our lives? Well, you remember how the scriptures tell us that faith is the belief in things un unseen, right? Faith means trusting God with our heads until we can feel God again in our hearts. In those times when the pain's real and the confusion's real and the worry's real, it means trusting God in our heads until we can feel God again in our hearts. You know, a few years back, they did a study on people and they put them in the woods and they put them on this trail and they said, we're studying how far people can hike. We want you to hike as far as you can. But they split them into two groups and they didn't tell them they were splitting them into two groups. One group, they just said, hike as far as you can. The second group, every five miles, they gave them updates. And they'd say, because it turns out if you made it to 25 miles, they pulled you off the course. They weren't, they weren't gonna let you go any further. And after five miles, they'd say, you've been five miles, you've got 20 more to go. After 10 miles, they'd say, you've been 10 miles, you've got 15 more to go. Do you know the people who were not given updates, who had no idea when it was going to end? Do you know how far they got on average? Between 12 and 16 miles. They made it 12 to 16 miles. Then they, then they gave up. The people who were given updates and knew how far they had to go, you know how far they made it? 25 miles, right? Same type of people, same level of health, same nutrition, same resources, same hiking boots, all that stuff. But one knew how the story was going to end, right? That's what faith has to do for us when we can't see it yet. I was reminded of, of this again last weekend. I had the opportunity to go do something that crazy people think is fun. And that is, I got to run in the Blue Ridge Relay. And the Blue Ridge Relay, you get about 12 crazy people and you get in a van together. And uh, you run a relay from Grayson Highlands Park in Virginia down to Asheville. It's about 200 miles and you got 12 of you. So you split it up, you each run three legs. So you'll run like seven miles and then wait five hours, run like six miles, wait another five hours, then you'll run like four miles. And the whole time there are 11 other people counting on you to, to do well. Well, it, you have like, a, you get a map beforehand and you get to see the, uh, all the turns on your section of the race and you get to see the elevation change. And thankfully I'd had a map before the first leg of the race because I got into the middle of a seven mile run and I hit a hill and that hill went up for a mile and a half. And for the first mile, it was about a 5% grade. And 5% grade is fairly challenging to, to go up, but you, you can do it. The, the last half mile of that climb was 12% grade. 12% is like, have you ever been on uh, Campbell Station Road and you turn on Sonia? You know the top of that hill on Sonia? Uh, if you haven't, you should drive up there. It's beautiful. Um, but... It's like the very top of that, that slope, except for half a mile. 
And I remember getting to that portion of the course and I'm already exhausted. And I'm thinking about, I've got to do this three more times or two, two more times. And uh, I'm going up and I, I began to have these dark thoughts like, uh, I wonder what it'd be like to just tell these other 11 guys who put hundreds of dollars into this weekend that I just quit. <laughs> what will it be like if I just don't show up and don't finish this run? And then I began to think, what would it be like if I just never ran again? Like, that, that seems like very nice. Like, that, that, that seems like a great idea right now. Uh, but I had that map in my head and I knew I've got 800 meters. And then I knew, you know what? I've got 600 meters. And then I knew, you know what? I've got a quarter mile. And then I knew, hey, I can see the top and I know what's coming on the other side of that. And I know it's going, I know it's going to go down. And I know this isn't for, forever. If I hadn't had that map, uh, it, it might've ended really poorly. Faith is that map for our hearts, right? Faith is that map for our hearts. And I want to tell you about a guy who had to, had to find that for himself. Many of you know in the Old Testament the story of Job. Well, Job uh, loses everything. Loses his family, loses his livelihood, loses his health. And then on top of all that, he's got some friends who really care about him, but the friends come in and they're just like, Job, uh, you know, uh, God's doing this to punish you. If you just get yourself together, God would quit making you hurt so bad. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're part of the, you know, the majority of religions that, that teach that. But Job's not. And, and Job, somewhere along the way, we're told he had experienced the nature and the character of God. And Job couldn't figure out why his story was being written like this. But he hadn't given up that God was going to write that last chapter. And that, that God was going to redeem all of it. And so, in the 19th chapter of Job, as his, his friends are coming at him and are saying, Job, just give up. Just admit you're wrong. Admit God's punishing you. Job says this, no, no, no. I know my Redeemer lives. And in the end that he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, then my flesh shall see God and I shall see on my side and my eyes shall behold and not another. I'll see my Redeemer. I will see God. I trust that. Even in the midst of all this, I trust that. Friends, what we talk about when we talk about Christian faith, we're not just talking about a formula to help you become uh, stronger, uh, more mentally healthy, more emotionally uh, mature, uh, so that you have better coping mechanisms. We, we think we should focus on our mental health. We think we should focus on our emotional maturity, uh, just like we should take care of our bodies. The scripture teaches us to do, do all of that. But that's not ultimately what the Christian faith is built on. What the Christian faith is built on is that Jesus Christ was dead and he's alive and that he writes the last chapter. What Christian faith is built on is that in the worst times of our life when we don't know how to get through, when we don't even know how we're going to face tomorrow, much less try to love somebody else within tomorrow and, and try to witness to, to Christ and, and God, in those moments that there's a power beyond ourselves, that God will act, that Christ will show up, that he will do his work when we don't have the energy to do any work anymore at all, that he will save us, that he will redeem us, that someone not ourselves will come and will save the day. That's what the Christian faith is. And if you're going through one of those times, I want you to know that this room is filled with people who have found that to be true. We've tested it out. 
We, we haven't just learned about it. We've been there in life. And we found, we found God is there. And if you haven't been there yet, then I want to implore you right now, seek God. Seek God's nature and seek God's character. Because that's where your faith is going to come from in those moments. That's where you're going to be able to say with David that I will sing your praises for you have dealt bountifully with me, God, even when life's tough, that you can see life as a gift and, and as a blessing. That's where you're going to be able to say with Job, I know my Redeemer lives when everybody else is saying, hey, God's punishing you. God has forsaken you. You'll say, no, I know Christ is here and I know he's on my side. Now, yes, sometimes God, sometimes we get off base. Sometimes God has to redirect us, but he's always here. He's always on our side because whatever else happens when you go through these, those tough times, you need to know who writes the last chapter and you need to know the person who's writing that chapter is the greatest author there ever was, the author of creation, the author of love, the author of redemption, the author we know as the God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we come before you today and we thank you that not only are you writing the last chapter, but God, that you are in all the chapters of our lives. In fact, it's not even so much that you're in our story, but that you've blessed us to be in your story. God, today we lift up each person who's hurting, each person who's confused, each person, Lord, who's anxious, and we pray that you would bless them to know your nature and your character. And you would bless them to see the blessings even beyond the struggle. And God, we pray for each one today uh, who is experiencing the joy of your goodness. And God, help us to give you thanks for all our blessings, but never allow us to mistake the gifts you give us for the greatest gift of all, you, the giver your presence, your love, your grace, your salvation. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we all said together, Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.